when the sun's rising in the movie and it's like ma <laughs> that was it <laughs> Hey folks, uh, welcome to another episode of Gaming Historia. As we discussed last week, In Search of the Story took up the feed, so now we're back to the normal weekly Gaming Historia stuff. Whenever new shows come out, they'll show up on this one. But today, it's me and Olivia, and Olivia's here with me. Howdy, folks. <laughs> yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if my memory serves Olivia Volerich. Volarich, but you know people. Volarich. People say Volarich all the time, so it's okay. Te- I'll, I'll blame my Texas accent on it. That's fine. We'll say, we'll say that it, it was. I put a little country twang into it. Sure. Um. All right, and then I'm Chris Gravel. So uh, that's it. We're getting right into it today. We are going to discuss what initially was going to be AAA versus indie titles, not really like a not really like a Clash of the Titans, but the the differences in the two and then we realized hey that opens up a can of worms it's a whole bunch of other stuff so we're gonna get into um why you're seeing people moving from triple a or big companies down to indie stuff why you're seeing indie people staying where they are and kind of the in-between of what all's fallen there and we don't know where this is going you know Olivia put together an outline but as you guys learned last week i do not follow it um so we'll see what happens and uh I guess we'll get right into it. Yeah. And I'd like to say, you, you said it might be a Clash of the Titans, but I think a more appropriate title would be David versus Goliath. Yeah, it, it kind of is. I mean, I guess there's an argument that, that indies are starting to become much bigger. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, indies aren't what they were whenever, like, Fez launched years and years ago. They're now... It, there's more significantly more indies coming out than bigger games, and that's for a lot of reasons. But um, <clears throat> it, it's to the point now that every day there's like another six or seven titles you haven't even heard of launched as indie titles, and <clears throat> I guess part of that comes from the uh, the streamlined development that they can do. You know, it's not huge teams like you have at AAA, so. And, I guess, and I think the like uh, democratization of different engines, like tools you can use to create a game. Like there's so many free engines that you can download and just make your own game, like as an amateur. And then yeah, like Unity did a huge thing for it, or, or Epic or whatever. It's, I think Unity, <clears throat> Unreal Engine, and Unity, Unreal and Four. There's yeah. there's a bunch of other ones. Where did I get Unity? Is that Unity yeah. has has a, a free download too. Yeah, so with Unreal and all that stuff, I mean, really anybody can can get into developing games. And if you have a good idea and you can get a few people together, boom, you're set. You just got to learn a few things and you can get going. As as we discussed on the first tree, you don't have to know anything to to get going. You just need a good story and and an iron stomach to push through it. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's where they're kind of blown up. So I guess first let's kind of talk about what, what we're defining as AAA, and then what we're t- defining as indie, and then where we fell off the track, and we found out there was something else there. Yeah, so I guess when you're looking at a, it's it's difficult to like say these are two very specific uh, definitions uh, because a lot of different elements go into that kind of character characterization, like. What about the team size? Uh, how much money do you have in your budget? Uh, I guess those are kind of the, the two biggest ones, right? Money, like so, it, so your budget and your team size to determine which which is considered a AAA and an indie. Yeah, I would say that's that's kind of the big thing. And and you know, have, having you know, with an indie title, the it may be a one person team that that person does the art and the programming and the design and all that. But whenever you get into something bigger, say like Call of Duty or the Borderlands franchise or Assassin's Creed, you have a whole art department that goes out. Like for Assassin's Creed Unity, 
Origins. They spent time in France. Oh, know? Unity. Yeah. Um, they just spent time out in France, exploring France and trying to recreate it realistically. So, you know, you don't have that with an indie development. But while those artists are out doing that, then you have project managers and directors and, you know, it it's much more of a business as opposed... It, I don't know, maybe maybe for radio it's kind of like the difference in t- turning on your FM radio and then listening to pirate radio. You know, it's like one guy just out there mm-hmm. doing his own thing. So uh, it, that's kind of the big difference in the two is, you know, they and and in general a AAA title is also going to have shareholders and stocks that they have to worry about, and indie titles are the wild west. They can do whatever they want, as we've seen multiple times with some controversy on certain games. Um, and then, of course, the selling price. You don't see many indie games selling for over 20 bucks, but just about every AAA title is a $60 title. Um, yeah, plus more, you know. You've got all kinds yeah. of content that you can add on top. Right. So and so whenever Olivia and I first spoke about that, um, we realized... And again, we we don't talk directly at the audience very often, but this is this is some behind the scenes stuff, um, which I learned. Saying how the sausage is made is not something that you particularly like to like yeah. as a allegory. <laughs> so, so we'll do a behind the curtain. Whenever we were talking about this show, we were we were talking about AAA and indies, and then I was like, well, "What about everything in between?" And we didn't even think about that at first. So there's. There's this whole area of games that aren't quite AAA, they aren't quite indie, they're kind of in between, and a lot of them are kind of the remakes, like the Age of Empires and Rise of Nation remakes, and then you have like the NIS America and the NIS America stuff. Um, I wanted to make sure I said it out correctly so people don't think I'm talking about Miss America. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, like Disgaea and those kind of games, they're not AAA and they're not indie games. They're kind of, or Shantae on Switch. Those are kind of in between the two. I guess Shantae may be kind of indie, but it, I mean, we I just started playing it with Chloe on Wii and it, it looks like, or I mean, on Wii, on Switch. And it looks like a, it looks like a cartoon. Like it's uh, like how Cuphead looks. It's very, very well animated and very well done. So obviously a lot more work went into that than you know traditional indie title like uh like the first tree or games in that vein so we're gonna we know we're not gonna hit exactly what they both are um but we're gonna kind of you know whenever we talk about triple a games think more call of duty whenever we're talking about indie games think more fez and um meat boy Meat Boy, yeah, those those type of things, um, or, or Behemoth. All their stuff is pretty was you know especially early on like Castle Crashers. Think those kind of companies, yeah. And then uh, that way we have kind of a definition of where we are, and then the in between stuff we'll discuss in a in a separate part of the of this discussion. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So I guess I uh, initially started reading about a certain dynamic uh, that I guess is becoming more increasingly regular in the gaming industry. And um, just to back up a little bit, uh, when, Chris, you were trying to make a comparison between, like, how how you can compare AAAs versus indies in, like, a radio context, um, I was going to mm-hmm. say, like, another good comparison would be, like, the film industry. Um you have these huge blockbuster movies, like any Marvel movie that comes out has like millions, millions of dollars for their budget. And then there's, you know, your your film crew of six people that make an independent movie that you have to put it on the uh, film festival circuit and hopefully gain some recognition that way, you know. So that was kind of uh, the comparison I was thinking of. But um, yeah. In the film industry, it's re- really typical for filmmakers to start off on smaller projects in independent films and get some name recognition that way, like especially, like I said, through the film festival scene. 
Uh, and then, then those creators work their way up and start making a bigger name for themselves. And then they find themselves being able to work on larger projects uh, like blockbuster movies like Marvel, Disney. I guess those are technically the same entity. Yeah. But what I've been... Uh, Kevin Smith kind of did that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, going from clerks up to uh, cop out. You know, I mean, you know, starting off in a black and white nothing and ending up as a as a film and then ending up working with Bruce Willis and you know that was a fallout but that happened but you know yeah I I, I agree with you on that uh yeah so the dynamic that I've been reading more about in the gaming industry is it seems to work in the opposite fashion so like big names that are big names of creators that are working in some of the top developers are actually leaving their jobs uh, in these like big, widely recognized companies uh, to start their own projects and usually like uh, establish their own development studio. Um, and then at the same time, uh, people who are making like a big splash in the indie game scene aren't moving on up to bigger studios and creating larger projects. Instead, they're just continuing to make their own own work focusing all their efforts on expanding the games that they've already made and the ones that have like made them popular in the first place so i guess that right. that like concept of like upward mobility is it not that it's like broken but it, it's just not the same in the gaming industry and i guess it kind of all comes down to like uh creative freedom and I think that's what you and I have really found out through like the bit of research that we've done is it, like the creative freedom is what plays a large role in where a developer will will choose to invest their time uh, in their in their projects. Right. I, I think <clears throat> somebody like uh, like Brian Reynolds, which is a guy who I followed for a long time. He he started off on. Civilization two or four, something like that. Yeah, it was um, two. Okay, so Civ, yeah, Civ and Civ two, and worked for 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 Axis and did some other stuff like Alpha Centauri, things like that. And then he left and he went to form Big Huge Games, which made what I talked about, which not many people listened to Colby and I doing the the Q and A thing where we talked about ourselves, but. One of my favorite games of all time, which is Rise of Nations. They created Rise of Nations and the Thrones of Patriots um, expansion, which it was a big title at the time. I and mean, it did, I don't know how many it sold. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a StarCraft, but it did extremely well. And you could see the inspiration from the previous stuff that he had worked on. But then he moved on even farther and worked for mobile developers. And now he's down to the point to where he's working on. D don't take down as a negative. He is down to the point to where he's no longer with a huge company with a whole bunch of people. He's much smaller working on a, a mobile strategy title and that's where he wants to go. And, you know, it's, it's just gives him each step that he's taken. You can see he went from working for somebody to people working for him to him then downsizing to where it's just a small group. And each time it gets closer and closer to what he wants to design. And, and it seems like that's, <clears throat> so many people want to get into gaming and making games and they have all these huge ideas about what they want to create. They get in with these big companies as kind of an entry level position as a say level designer or a programmer. And then maybe they get up into a project management position where they start kind of leading a team working on stuff, but ultimately they're not the ones that are deciding what the game is going to be. You know, there's, there's a couple companies that, that are bigger that do that, but it's not, from from what I've been able to find, it's not as common that, you know, just some random guy from programming school comes in and comes up with a big idea um, these days. It, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, that's how it worked. But now you're at a point to where eventually they kind of get comfortable and they they get their experience and they split off and they start their own thing and they try to create what they want to create. Because ultimately, you don't get into to the gaming industry because you really, really like sitting at a desk programming. You get into it because 
you want to make something, you want to make the game you want to play, which I've heard from multiple interviews from different designers and, and game creators that they want to make the game they want to play and they hope other people like it. So I think that's kind of why we see the AAA stuff move towards an indie developer once they kind of get comfortable. And maybe that's how it should be because we get really good indies and really good triple A's out of a lot of these really talented designers who, who get their experience and get their feet wet there and then move on. So, yeah. And I think it, it definitely creates an interesting dynamic when you learn a little bit more. Like if you, if, if I hadn't done research into this, like, and I didn't know as much about the gaming industry as I like to think I do. You can you can be kind of an outsider and play a game like Assassin's Creed or or Destiny and be like, wow, this is such an incredible game. Like I love it because of the sheer scale of it and and the mechanics and uh, there's always going to be more content coming out and like that's awesome for Bungie. They're churning out all of this content. But if you learn about the the creatives themselves, like, hmm, who is the person that actually wrote the narrative in Destiny? Who created this particular gun that I love so much? You know, it it's like you you don't kind of have that that personal relationship with the game almost. Like it the the individual kind of gets buried underneath the the big the big develop the the big corporation um so so i think and i don't know if that's necessarily a negative because those people i'm sure are like secure and really happy in in that corporation and it's they're you know the big ones that we can all recognize ubisoft ea uh sony bungie on and on they're vastly popular and they're going to be continuing to make games for the foreseeable future and it's it's the people that branch off and choose to kind of strike their own path that then you can learn more about that individual and learn what they wanted for the game and and they were in charge of the the entire like four four person crew that started in a spare bedroom you know it it's just two completely different methods of making making games but the the great thing is now these indie games can look just as good if not even better in some circumstances than these than these larger triple a's yeah it's uh it's interesting to see how it's playing out as you know you have like david jaffe which you know i mean he made <clears throat> for the playstation 3 twisted metal god of war those were I mean, those made Sony a must-have system the same way that Halo made um, Xbox a must-have system. Um, but then he goes off and he does his own thing. Or Cliff Blazinski, who has become just a, a, a firecracker as he moved on to his own things. And, you know, they, they become these people that you start to follow. And um, it, it's it's interesting, especially whenever you have... Uh, you know something like no man's sky which was just a small idea that was basically mathematical based i mean they they just looked at a way that they could create a never-ending universe and then sony and, and that's and i think that's one of the big things is no man's sky if it would have stuck to what it actually was if if they were able to come out and say hey here's what we're making here's what we're doing and it'll be released when it's released when it's released then there wouldn't have been the big outcry about no man's sky but sony gets involved and they start the press circuit and you know going around and and it's it's the same thing that that uh oh i just went blank on his name the guy uh peter molyneux um overpromised and overdelivered and i i can i can see what happened they I don't think it was blatant lies that he was telling. I think he was just so excited and he had these ideas for things that were going to happen, but he wasn't quite used to the point. Uh, uh, Sean Murray, who, who I'm talking about now, he wasn't quite used to the point or, or to the idea that now that he had Sony 
backing them. He had deadlines. He had to, you know, hit all these different press circuits. He wasn't able to just sit there and work on the game like he wanted to and intended to. And I think that's where we had the problem with No Man's Sky because it has become a significantly better game as he spent more time on it and his team has spent more time on it. But, you know, once a big company comes in and, and starts telling them, you know, we need this done and we need this done, then we start to fall into this place where it's not delivering on what the original vision was because Sony still has to make sure that, that they're creating a product that's going to make their stockholders happy um, or their shareholders happy. And, you know, it's, I think that's one of the big things that indie developers really watch out for. Um, And Minecraft, you know, that was, that was probably the, the big one that did it right is they got the game where they wanted it. He had it very clear and then he stepped away. And he was done with the game and went on to create his own thing. And his first one failed. He did Scrolls, which is a cool game, but it didn't stick around. Um, but, you know, I mean, Minecraft's on everything at this point. But he made the design and then he left and he let it become its own beast. Yeah. And, and It's so. it's kind of uh, disheartening when it's like hearing everything that we've said in just this, what, like 15 minutes already, like. 20 or so it just sounds like everything comes down to money you know and yeah. how upsetting is that when you consider yourself an artist or a creator or like you're saying these programmers want to design the game that they have in mind and the game that they want to play and you have that artistic concept but everything boils down to like do you have the funds to do so like well you need the funds to be able to live in your apartment so you know, these large companies pay really well and you'll have a secure position as a programmer. And, and it's kind of like, what do you what do you have to compromise then? Like, what, what sort of freedoms are you giving up to be a part of these huge brand names? But then when you go off on your own, it's like, okay, well, you don't have that security and stability. So if you make a hit, that's awesome. And the possibilities are endless in terms of like the financial possibilities if you make a hit. But if you don't, like, you're kind of in the hole. It's all on you. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, you know, from a... I I try to put myself in those shoes. Like, I I would love to make a game at some point. I I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, I'm sure I start on YouTube and start learning how to do it. Um, But if I was in that position, if I went to college and I got a, a degree in level design or programming or whatever... Um, it's a big question because I have, you know, I could work for a company where I'm going to get paid, but I don't, I'm I'm probably not going to see the endless ideas for different games that will and will not work. Most of them probably won't because they're so goofy and strange, but you know, I'll, I'll probably never have a chance to explore that. But at least I'll be able to feed my family, make sure that the kid get has money to go to college, all those things. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is I could chase down that vision and it puts a huge strain on my family. And and most of these people, they're in that same position. It's just like what we're doing with Gaming Historia and the website and all that stuff. You know, we're, we're making zero dollars and zero cents right now, but we're, we're trying to create exactly what we want as a group, as a collective. As opposed to, you know, we could, quite a few of us could probably go out and work for a, a bigger company, a bigger outlet. Um, but that's that's not what we're after. We're after something different. And so, you know, journalism isn't necessarily artistic, but we're kind of, we're kind of getting into a point to where we're hitting it in a way that we want that's different than what anybody else is going to let us do working for them. And so, uh, so I kind of relate to that, to that struggle of, do you go with the big guys and have stability or do you go off on your own and live on a dream and hope that also feeds you, you know, live on ramen. Yeah. So I'm not mad about it. You know, it's a, it's a weird, it's, and I guess for, for entrepreneurs, that's the best place to be because it's it's not that expensive to, to create things these days. Not, not like it was, you know, you can, you can buy a laptop and make a game if you want to really. Um, 
you know, and, and one person can do it. We saw that with in the first or the first tree. Um, so it just comes down to, to what risk you want to take, I think. And I think that's probably the big difference in AAA and indie titles is with AAA titles, you get a much more focus grouped type of game. Like what do people want? What are they going to like? And with indie titles, you get, here's what I like and here's what I want. And if you want it, buy it. Yeah, I also feel like people often attribute indie games to like having kind of like a a soul or a deeper message. And that's not to say that any AAA title doesn't have those things. There's certainly great stories out there like, you know, they they entertain you. But indie games are the ones that focus on often are the ones that focus on more hard-hitting subjects, which right. which makes sense because I, I, some of the hard hitting subjects may not be as appealing to, we, we got into this on In Search of the Story last, last week, like EA Games is not going to publish a game about team, uh, doctor abuse. Of course they wouldn't do that. Like, no, that's, that is not a can of worms that they would ever want to get into. But someone else might try and take on that challenge when you're, trying to talk about uh, some uh, a person getting through a struggle like that and and an independent game can be created surrounding that one whole concept you know it right again it comes down to money and creative freedom I guess yeah it it really does and then and then you get into that in-between area that we were talking about, you know, games like, um, like, uh, you always say it right. Hellblade. Senua's Sacrifice. And, yeah. Senua's Sacrifice. It It's of a triple A quality because they're using very high end, uh, motion capture stuff and doing some very unique things. Excuse me. Um, but it is not a triple A game. It's, it's not a traditional triple A title. It's, it's from an established company, Ninja Theory, but, it's it's more of the middle ground it's it's not your call of duty or your starcraft or your you know anything blizzard makes you know or or your assassin's creeds or whatever it's you know your your fifas ding um just had to make sure i got it in there um but it's also not like fez or uh what was the game about depression that that one about depression woman made uh, yeah, there was a a woman made a game that dealt with depression and then became a big Edith thing. Edith Finch? Uh, what was, was that? It was earlier in that, like, people went after her. I saw it earlier somewhere, and now I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. You know who you are. People know who I'm talking about, probably, and I can't remember what her name was. Um, we'll literally just look up games about depression. Yeah, that'll get you there. Oh, wait. Uh, who is it? Um... Um, Zoe Quinn, there we go, on the Depression Quest. Yep, that um, was the first thing that came up in that Google search. Yep, and there was there was a lot of stuff that came from it, um, a lot of fallout that happened afterwards, and the same thing happened with Jade Raymond whenever she la- whenever she was working on Assassin's Creed and stuff. It, the community is not a good place, and the same thing with. What's what's the guy's name that made Fez? Man, I probably should have tried to remember stuff. Um, who made Fez? That dude. Phil Phil Fish. Yeah, Fish. Um, I would have to go back and read everything, uh, but I, the community was somewhat harsh and he did not react well and he kind of just said i'm done and he didn't do it in the nicest of ways i don't think he was extremely professional about it um but that's kind of the the fun of being an indie guy is you don't have to be a professional you don't have to put on a face for the public you you get to be yourself yeah the only person Um, you're accountable to is you yeah and and the guy could have made a ridiculous amount of money by releasing Fez 2 because Fez was the hot thing at that point. Everybody loved it. It's still a game that, that people play. Um, so, 
you know, the problem there for, for a, I think there's another whole can of worms that may be another podcast that we should talk about is the community as a whole. Um, but, and, and Jade is, we'll put a little thing on the table for that. Jade Raymond, she was awesome. I mean, she was a great face for the company. She was very vocal and very talkative about the game and her passion about it. And the community just from, from what I remember. And, and if I'm wrong, I'll update it whenever we hit that podcast. But she just got destroyed by the community. The community was just brutal and she left and she went off to do her own thing. And the community is not welcoming to, to people. They're very critical. And, you know, the, the nice thing about us right now is we're small and we don't have a community that's being critical yet, but we're ready for it. We're ready to get ripped into for every little mistake we say and every name we pronounce wrong and people disagreeing with us. And we went into it with that as one of our, you know, one of the goals that we're looking at is this kind of thing's going to happen and this is how we're going to react to it. Um, but for some of these artists who are in every sense of the word, just artists, they're doing a painting that you get to interact, interact with. And if you think of somebody like Picasso or Michelangelo, put them on Twitter, they probably would not handle the gaming community very well because the gaming community as a whole does not come out very often and go, yay, hooray, this game's so great, we love the designer. Generally, they stay quiet about that stuff. It's whenever the designer does something that they don't like, they put them on a cross and watch it burn. And so, uh, you know, it's that's a rough part about being an indie or a small company. Yeah, I also think that's just sort of supported and supplemented by the online community as a whole. People tend to capitalize more on the negative you know, like sharks smell blood in the water, whatever that saying is, like yeah. something negative happens, like people are happy to throw their two cents in on why they think it's terrible or why they disagree and for X, Y, and Z reasons. But like you said, an incredible game comes out and it's had an overwhelmingly positive response. Well, you know, they might not have drummed up as much uh, conversation on these online communities and channels because... First, sadly, uh, it seems people think positivity is boring. Yeah, I mean, if you look at N4G, and for those who don't know, it's 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 a big journal. It's a lot of journalists go there to you know put up their stories and and have the community kind of go after it. But N4G, you tend to see the big stories are not positive stories about something great happening. They're generally either a, a, a breaking news story. Or something that calls somebody out or goes after something. And, you know, there's there's issues out there. There's ethical issues that that people like to chase down and witch hunt people. And they don't like to go, I'm not going to... People want drama in their lives. That's, I mean, yeah. that's just... That's why reality TV is so big. It's the same reason. You can't just say, you know, for me, you... Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of um, something I've been playing recently, like Monster Hunter mm -hmm. uh, World. Mm -hmm. Never been a fan of it. Love it. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. But am I on Twitter going crazy about how much fun it is? No. So I'm I'm not saying I'm holier than thou. I'm the same way. I, you know, it's it's just like in a in in retail. Whenever I worked in retail, our thing was. You have one bad experience, or a customer has a bad experience, they're going to tell 10 people. They have a good experience, they're not going to tell anybody. And, or maybe one. And yeah, they're it's like, the same thing. Yeah. Sorry. That's a, no, a no, really, no, no. no, that's a really good uh, example. Puts it in perspective. Yeah, so, so I, I, I think that's the danger. If you're in a AAA company, you have the backing of their PR department, of their legal team of all that stuff the spin team <laughs> yeah this yeah you have all the spin that's going on so you know whenever you go out independent you, you're on your own buddy you're out in the waters and sharks are swimming and and you better you better be ready to fight because you know the the question is do you just take it from people or do you you know or should for an indie developer they, there's not a plan on how to deal with negative reactions because ultimately you need to address those issues if there's a problem you need to talk to them and figure out why and help them fix it but 
whenever they're just coming after you because of who you are, that they didn't like what you did, what can you do? Just stay quiet and then is that perceived by the rest of the community as you're not going to address it and you don't want to be part of the community when really you're just trying to take the higher ground? So, I mean, it, it, that's I think that's a big issue in it is, is the community is not exactly the most inviting to let these developers, these indie, independent developers really blow up and, and let their personality out there. Yeah, and I, th- I think that also kind of goes back to the the personal uh, element of indie games. Like like you said, a developer does something you don't like, you know exactly who they are, you know exactly where to find them, and yep. it's a little more uh, buried in these AAA games. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that's the thing, is is people can vote that EA is the worst company in, in America or whatever. EA doesn't care. They have FIFA, Madden, NBA Live. Um, they have Need for Speed. They, I mean, it, the list goes NHL. The list goes on. Just on their just on their sports stuff, the list goes on forever. And then you get into their non-sports stuff, and it's just as long, if not longer, of big stuff that they put out. And they don't care if you think they're the worst company in America. They're sitting on seats made out of money, so it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, one, one bad review for somebody who makes a a game like the first tree, all of a sudden that could cost him thousands of dollars in sales because the community will latch onto that as opposed to all the positive ones like, oh, this really impacted me or whatever, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know, another thing I was thinking of, uh, cause we sort of talked about PR marketing and spin team for these like big companies. Uh, while we were talking, I just really quickly Googled, like, upcoming AAA games, like, just to kind of see what what Google will tell me is is on everyone's radar, you know? And so I'm, I'm looking over this list. It says Red Dead Redemption 2, obviously. I think a lot of people heard, you know, looking forward to that one. Far Cry 5, all right. I just wrote an article on that. Go read it on Gaming Historia. Yeah, GamingHistoria.com. <laughs> GamingHistoria.com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God of War, you know, the the list goes on and on. You recognize the majority of the names, or at least you've heard about them, like, online somewhere. And then I googled uh, upcoming indie games, and Google didn't populate a list for me. So I was like, okay, let's go into the first article. Uh, and I'm looking over these titles, and, you know, I just, I haven't heard of any of them. And so I, I, I kind of wonder, is that on, on me, like as a consumer, that I don't actively seek out uh, more information on, on indie games that are causing a buzz? Or, or am I, are my like, news outlets just so saturated with these, these big, develop, these big like, corporations that can afford to put all this information on my news feeds, you know? That's another interesting dynamic to think about, like the marketing side of things, getting your game out there. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 not cheap to to get name recognition and 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 the indie development or the indie game world is extremely saturated with a bunch of stuff. It's very, very hard to get your name out there. And I'm sure there's hundreds of games in the indie scene that I would absolutely love that I'll never hear of that I'll miss over because there's just so many out there. And, you know, the game doesn't have to be, you know, a 4K game that's hyper-realistic looking or anything like that. There's there's games that use very basic pixel art or just hand-drawn art. Like, uh, I'm working on a review right now for a game called Wolverblade. And it's just an old-school hack-and-slash beat-em-up side-scroller. And I'm playing it with Sarah, so we're playing it to, you know, couch co-op, which is... That's another thing we're going to cover soon is the death of co-op, which pisses me off. Um, But, you know, we're sitting there and we're just having a blast because it's beautiful hand-drawn art. It's not a very long game. It's maybe three or four hours long and then, you know, extra stuff that you can do to extend the life of it. But, you know, we're running around and just cutting off people's arms and throwing them at at the bad guys and it hurts them and stuff. I mean, it's just a violent get the rage out type of game and it's incredibly fun it's probably me it's probably more fun okay i'm about to i'm about to piss off colby and alex 
and just about anybody else that listens. I am enjoying my time with Wolverblade as of right now, because of the time that I have, more than I did with Breath of the Wild. Um, huh. I'm not saying... <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Wolverblade is a better game, but for me right now, to be able to just sit down with my wife on the couch, just slam buttons and watch... It, I mean, there, there's a part in... The, like, one of the abilities in the game is the character I'm using, he just jumps on top of somebody, pulls out an axe, and just starts chopping into their face over and over and over and over, oh and blood's God. going everywhere. It's gory. And it's just... It's it's a cartoon. We don't let the kids see it because this is a little bit too much. Um, but it's it, it's funny to us. Like, it's just... It's so silly and over the top. But, you know, these are like barbarians with axes and knives and stuff like that. So it's... It's fun. It's just a good time. We can sit down for 30 minutes and just kill people and we laugh and it's hilarious because you pick up a guy's hand and you throw it in another dude's face. You're like, (laughs) your your brother just punched you in the face and we're just laughing. And with Zelda, it's more of a sit back and take in the majesty of this huge world and deal with, you know, your inventory and all these different things. And so just because the game isn't more than three hours long and doesn't have all these cool things that Zelda has, which... If I were to review both, Zelda is technically the better game, but as far as fun goes, I'm having more fun with Wolverblade right now because I don't have as much time to play because we're getting, you know, our new home set up and all that stuff, which uh, I guess we should just say, oh, I'll mention it real quick. Now you visit GamingHistoria.com. We have launched it as a website where you can get news and podcasts and all that stuff there. Um, but because, I, you know, we've been working on that, I haven't been able to sit down with something like a Zelda or anything along those lines but with zelda you wouldn't be able to sit down and play with your wife exactly and and that's part of it is is the smaller games you have like we also got shantae for um for switch shantae something something and then the something genies or something um but with that it's just this beautifully hand-drawn game it's only one player but we have fun because we take turns, Chloe and I will just sit on her bed while we're playing in her room, and we'll just take turns trying to beat different levels. And, you know, she'll she'll play it one way, one way where she loves how Shantae just does her little dance, and then she can turn into a monkey or whatever. And then I'll play it where I'm trying to get through the very technical, hard aspects of it. And it's we have fun watching each other and laughing and yelling at each other to go there and do that and do this. And, you know, the, those kind of things... You can do that with Zelda. You can sit there together on Zelda and do that. But it's not something that... Zelda's not a game you sit down with for 25 to 45 minutes and then you're done for the night. You know, it's... All right, I got two hours before bed. Let me get started. You know, it's... Well, you make it sound like a chore. Well, it, it, And it kind of felt like it on some of those big games. Elder Scrolls started feeling the same way to me as, uh. as I got farther into it. It's like, I want to play the game, but I can't... I can't dedicate the time to sit down and and put two hours in so that I can spend time on it. But, you know, I can load up Diablo or or something like that and play it for 30 minutes and get stuff done. So I'm, I'm very heavily justifying why I said I'm enjoying Wolverblade more right now than Zelda because I know that's going to make everybody disrespect me no, across the board. But, no, it's a, I understand where, what you're getting at. It's it What this is coming down to is what you're able to and what you're looking for as as a gaming experience which we also kind of touched on in uh in search of the story like people as gamers want different things from the material they consume in the different games that they actually play so at this point you don't have two hours to sit down and play legend of zelda or elder scrolls so naturally you're going to have more fun playing a hack and slash game. What was it called again? Hellblade? Uh, Wolverblade. Wolverblade. Uh, for yep. 45 minutes. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's more like a, like a family activity, the way you're describing it. And that sounds awesome because you get to interact with your family and have a, a fun time just kind of being silly and doing, doing something fun for 45 minutes. Yeah, and, that, and that's and I guess that's that's one of the big things is AAA games in general are much larger experiences. Not all the time, but 
you know, it's like Assassin's Creed Origins. You're not going to sit down with that for 20 minutes and get anything done, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, like, can I mean, visit one location and then <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, or, or Yakuza 6, which I don't know when that launches. But, you know, I, I've tried to do that 30 minutes at a time or whatever, and it's not working. It's, you know, I need to just sit down and dig into that game and it's it's a game that requires a lot of time and it's an incredible game but it's not one that you can just jump on for a few for a few minutes and indie games give you that just because of how they're made um is yakuza 6 not coming out till april i mean i'm not playing that game yet I don't know. Hold on. Hold I can on. look I know real we quick. Have, I know we have a embargo on it. Um, Wait, Yakuza 6, The Song of Life? That's already out. Yep. That says December 8, 2000. In Japan. What? In Japan it is. Um, okay, I'll look up U.S. release. Let's see. February 27, 2018. Oh, okay, good. Then we're golden. For some reason, I thought it came out in March. Um, I know that was the demo for it. Why oh, launch launch date pushed back to April seventeen. Yeah, so no, we're not playing it yet. Um, I haven't even tried it. Uh, we have an embargo; can't say anything about it. Really, we are we are going to have a review up for it on launch day. Um, but you know that is not a game that you sit down with for a couple minutes. That's and that's just the nature of a bigger title is, is there's not a whole lot of AAA titles that outside of shooters like Call of Duty or Overwatch that you can jump on for one match. But, you know, in general, you you need to dedicate a few hours to it. And I think that's an important thing that, that indies really hit is they're generally smaller experiences that that are they're more of a snack instead of a meal. Um, mm-hmm. But the experience can be fantastic. Like the same thing, like the first tree, it was 90 minutes long and the whole game was done. You know, that's, that's just getting through the intro on, on most of the AAA games. So, yeah, you know, and, and I, I enjoyed, especially once I got to the end, I really enjoyed the, the very last part of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's, there's a positive or negative for a consumer for them, for either one. Um, but uh, but I can see from a creative individual's point of view, there is definitely a a choice to be made. You know, either security or or chasing the dream, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and as as the consumer, I I think what it comes down to is the experience you're looking for and the amount of money you're willing to spend. Yeah, and, and like for you, you're you like more of the 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 experience, something more of an experience. Yeah, I I tend to lean towards games that have a, a more well thought out story. Uh, and I guess someone can say, well, what do you mean by well thought out story? <laughs> uh, right. But I mean, I I guess I I play both. I play both uh, AAA games and indie. Um, right. F- I I I guess for me it's the subject matter too. Like, uh, I really like, for example, uh, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Like, fantasy games are my jam. I I love the idea of being able to create your own character and go on your merry way and discover all these incredible secrets in the landscape and what have you and uh that's obviously a huge open world exploration game with also a very intricate branching numerous storylines that in my opinion are also really exciting and uh immersive and reel me in as a player and then like uh on the flip side someone could compare like Red Dead Redemption is also an open world player with branching storylines and really in-depth characters but like for the life of me I just like cannot 
get on the hype train for Red Dead Redemption. Like, I'm I'm obviously going to try it and going to play it, but I guess cowboys in the Wild West don't appeal to me as much as uh, an elf with a bow and arrow. And that's just my preference right. as a player. Yeah, there's... Uh, as excited as I am for Red Dead 2, it... It's going to, I like the multiplayer that it looks like they're doing on it and stuff. That's going to make it fun, you know, to have your own posse or whatever. But the reason I liked Redemption so much was you had such a strong character in it. And it's, that's the reason the Grand Theft Auto games for me do well, um, is because the characters are, are very well rounded, deep characters. And Rockstar has this way of taking a, a terrible person and making them somewhat relatable. And the you, you don't get that in a lot of games. Generally, you know, if it's a bad guy, it's a bad guy. If it's a good guy, it's a good guy. And and Rockstar kind of toes the line on, on both sides that this dude does terrible stuff, but he's kind of, you know, here's the reasons he's doing it. He's really a good guy on the inside or whatever. Um, oh, this could be something interesting to talk about in search of story, of the story, because... I think uh, us as consumers in, uh, I was going to say just the U.S., but I guess the whole world, are just now starting to dig our teeth into the idea that characters that we know and love in franchises can change. You know, I think the, right. the first one that really affected people was uh, that I can think of is Walter White in Breaking Bad, you know, oh, the yeah. evolution of, of a character going from good to bad. Uh, or bad to good, like Game of Thrones, like um, the Hound, my favorite. <laughs> uh, maybe right. the way that you... Oh, we know about your love of the Hound. <laughs> maybe the way that you always have to edge FIFA in there, I'm going to try and bring the Hound in somehow. The Hound's going to come up every time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's just uh, is an, a testament to how storytelling is evolving and changing in our media, like we are becoming more open to the idea that a character can change from from being someone that we view as good to someone being that is bad or or like you were saying in Grand Theft Auto someone who seems kind of like a shitty unmoral person uh we begin to see the motivations behind their actions and this is turning into an in search of story episode <laughs> yeah well hey and guess what Olivia and I will be back in two days we with will. the next in search of the story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but I mean, I think that's something that AAA titles and indies both cross over on is some of them are very well written, some of them are not. And, you know, you, you can get some really in depth character stuff going on. And, and really, it's that in between that gray area where it's, where it's, let's say, AA or A titles, I guess is what you would call them. Uh, that you really see a, a deeper dive into, you know, I would say like like Hellblade, Sensu's Senua's sacrifice, Senua's sacrifice. <laughs> that just will yeah, not stick on you. <laughs> nope, it won't. I, you know, <laughs> um, but that one is one that uh, I would say that's like a double A title. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite triple A. It's it's got triple A production values, but it's a smaller team, smaller game, things like that. But it really gets deep into what they wanted to go after, which was dealing with devastation and the depression that comes after it. Almost a yeah, almost a PTSD story. So mm-hmm. I believe um, Ninja Theory calls it a independent triple A. Okay, that's fair. I'll let them have that. I'll call it a double A. If it's an independent triple A, it's a double A to me. Okay. Um, so, because cause that is its own thing, and I, I I would not compare Hellblade to Skyrim. Oh, because yeah, definitely not. The the team sizes are different, things like that. You know, they they fall into a different category. You know, the game was cheaper, things like that, and that's not to you know you can have a sixty dollar indie game if you want, and you can have a twenty dollar which NFL two K five did, a twenty dollar triple A title. But in general, it, you know, it was it was a little bit smaller experience that's much more intimate, things like that. And and I think we're starting to get into a place where we get a mixture 
of the of the two. Um, and I think we're still going to have AAAs going on forever, but I think independents are going to start, you know, kind of what Microsoft started a while back where they had like their their indie studios where they supported indie devs and Sony started doing that as well. And I don't know why I'm starting to talk like this. I feel like I'm starting to go back into the gaming historia after dark voice, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a, which is a whole nother joke for, <laughs> for another time. Um, cause, cause we don't want to, in search of the story is a little bit more free flowing gaming historia. We try to kind of stick to the subject and, and we're getting about to that point. So I, I don't want to start going into, into off the rail stuff. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, I don't know if we answered any questions or just. I think what we did is we just put all the information out there. We put our feelings and opinions out there. And. Well, ours are the only ones that matter. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but if. We have a podcast, so our opinions are more important than the people that don't. That's not. I don't think that's a good stance to take. I'd love to. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I read it on the internet. Oh, then it must be true. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, because it was a lot of work to hit record. <laughs> so, <laughs> that for those who aren't getting my sarcasm, that is very much a joke. Um, <laughs> I. I mean, I. I don't claim to be an expert in this subject. I. I hope people that listen to In Search of the Story can can tell that I am clearly uh, a little more enthusiastic when it comes to discussing a, a game as art and examining it in that fashion as opposed to like kind of talking about industry. Uh, and that's not to say that this isn't exciting. Uh, I just I just don't know as much about it, to be completely honest, which is why I do my research and make these outlines that Chris doesn't even follow. <laughs> nope. I skim it and I go, ah, look, she did a lot of work. Let's see how I can screw that up. Um, and, and I've accomplished, uh, I would say, two for two. I th- but I, I think... And I think we kind of hit what you wanted to hit on this, the stuff that you researched. We got into there. Yeah, I think so. We we hit the important points and and the the sad realization that uh you know looking at my notes, uh, it was clear in my notes, but uh, when we talked through everything, uh, it really just comes down to money, and that's how it yeah. is in our capitalistic society. Yep. Welcome to America. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I think this will be another topic that, that maybe we revisit a year or so from now and, and look at what's changed. Cause I, I, I think that, you know, gaming history is kind of, most of our podcasts are, are what we call evergreen podcasts. You can listen to it in a year and it'll still be relevant. Um, I think this is one of those that it's going to be relevant as it goes, but it'll be interesting to see the evolution and we'll come back and we'll update if any big stuff happens that, you know, you get something, something crazy happens in gaming where all of a sudden the indies take over and nobody cares about AAA, which I don't see that happening, but it it may be something that we revisit at some point. Um, but I think it's an interesting discussion because it ultimately comes down to, uh, artistic freedom versus financial security. And we probably could have just said that, like, hey, welcome to Gaming Historia, Indies versus AAAs, artistic freedom versus financial security. Thanks for listening. I mean, that's... <laughs> 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 and that's it, would, it. It would be an easy one to edit. <laughs> I would have to say, also, Olivia's here, and you'd go, hi! And, yeah, be like, hey. and that's it. <laughs> I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> yep, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I think we maybe that's what the whole point was. Was that's what it comes down to? If you're investing in an indie developer, don't be a dick. Like, if you get online and you start talking to them, don't be an ass to them online. They're just somebody who's making a game, and if you played it and liked it, great. If you didn't, keep your mouth shut and move on. You know, it's 
if if you don't like gap jeans don't go buy gap jeans but don't tell people that like gap jeans that they're terrible people yeah um are gap jeans still a thing um i don't know i don't wear gap jeans but whoever does i'm sure they love them yeah i just i I can't think of like ash would wash jeans that was big whenever i was younger you know if you don't like them don't buy them who cares um so it's the same thing don't don't go after indie developers and and give them hell on twitter and wherever you're doing it and make a big fuss and that's it so keep your mouth shut if you don't like it that's that's what i'm trying to tell you this is this is daddy chris telling you to mind your manners <laughs> and be kind treat others the way you want to be treated yep. but yeah i don't know how much we accomplished other than art versus money and maybe we'll dive deeper into that without tying it to particular games just talk about artistic creativity at a later date yeah or i think another uh-huh. interesting uh subject to dive deeper in is that middle ground the gray area the double a independent triple like I I definitely would be interested in, you know, me and my research. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, I, to, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, look into that a bit I more. I think, what what was that one that we were looking at, the council? The council, yeah. Yeah, so I, Ubisoft is doing that, or they're at least publishing it, but I don't know if that's a big title, cause, so we're going we're gonna to keep our eye on that, and that may as a history buff i'm super excited about it and we were talking about covering it on in search of the story um but that may lead us down that path of talking about the gray area of of these games that that fall in between because that looks like it's probably one of those gray area games that it, it's not quite triple a and it's not quite indie and i wouldn't really call it an independent triple a title it's more of a somewhere in between so that that may be something that that gets us going on that once once we get a hold of it and hopefully that and the other one that's about the family stuff that we were talking about whenever we cover those on search of the story we can kind of get deeper into that where it's more free form and and people will have to listen to both to get the full story that'll be interesting <laughs> so <laughs> the, they're all going to be tied together it's just it's the circle of life as elton john put it um so was that elton john that said that yeah, it's the it's the circle of life as Simba was being held up in front of the sun by, uh, you know, during the Lion King. Mm-hmm. That's right. Did you want to try to sing that real quick? It's the me? circle of life. <laughs> is that, is that awesome. what is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yep. Okay. It's the circle like, of life. Am I, just... I thinking of the Lion like the right what like there isn't any other Lion King but. I just wanted to get another performance. We got Laura Croft last oh, week. We good. have Elton John this week. I am really so, building my audio reel here. <laughs> you are. So we have so we have FIFA every week from me. We have uh, The Rock, The Stone, The uh, the Hound every week from you. The Rock. Um, I do like I do like The Rock too, but but no, it's The uh, Hound. Um, okay, so The Hound every week from you. Yeah. And then every podcast that you are going to be on. I am going to try to find out a way to make you perform. Good, because so. I, I, man, I wish I would have done some like vocal warm ups before that. Uh, it's better interlude. this way. It's raw. <laughs> Just go raw. So right. it's awesome. I can even try and do the so. beginning. Actually, no, I won't try and do the beginning. That'll sound. No, 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 no. Finish the thought. What are you saying? Nothing. <laughs> what was it? What was it? You know, in the beginning of that song, I, I have no idea what language it is, but the one that oh, everyone tries to. So, in the beginning of the circle of life, when the sun's rising, you know, in the movie, and it's the. I have no clue what you're. Give me an example. <laughs> When the sun's rising in the movie and it's like, ma da <laughs> How's it go? That was it. <laughs> oh, I, it broke up. So it should be other. I, I didn't oh, get to hear it. Oh, good. Because oh, it, it's showing on my recording that it was quite loud. <laughs> oh, good. Fantastic. I cannot wait to get to the editing portion of this. And I'm going to, uh, man, that may be our bumper. <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of playing our weekly theme music, that may be it's our It's just intro. me singing. Um, just, <laughs> that's what we Oh, no. Oh, man. 
After right, we so... do like a decent chunk of episodes, I'm going to try and edit all these weird clips of me making noises and singing songs and yeah. and just play it Talk all out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my demo reel right there. That's going to be fantastic. <laughs> That's going to be great. We we will have to have a a 1 year anniversary outtakes from all of us. Yeah. Um, oh, that'd be hilarious. Cuz holy shit, that's going to be chaos. Because <laughs> cuz we are far from professional as much as we pretend that we are. Um, there's no so, plan. We don't stick to the plan. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh seat of the pants. That's just where we're flying. Yep. So All right. Well, for now, check out gaminghistoria.com. Find us on Twitter, um, just just search uh, on Twitter. It's gaming. It's at gaming underscore historia. We haven't done with it much yet because we're still kind of getting all our social media stuff set up for gaminghistoria.com. But that's the mothership. That's where you go to find all the podcasts and everything going forward. And uh, that's it. I don't know that we brought any uh, answers or enlightening things to you, but maybe it gave you something to think about whenever you're looking at a indie title or a triple a title or the people who work on these things and maybe you'll think twice about how you treat them because most of you people i hate to say it become a mob and treat them like shit and we need to stop that because these people are creating things that we enjoy they wouldn't be here you know we wouldn't even have games if it weren't for these people taking the risks to put themselves out there so don't punish them for doing that. Um, and just enjoy it. And sit back and enjoy the ride of getting to play all these different games and experiencing different people's viewpoints and however they tell it to a game. And you don't have to agree with it, but that doesn't mean you have to attack them for di- thinking differently than you do. So that's my Mr. Rogers moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's it for me, Olivia. Anything else you, you have to throw in? Yeah, I mean, these people are just putting themselves out there and trying to make something that'll impact their audience. So like Chris said, don't don't shit on people for the sake oh God, no, explicit. Okay, I'm backing up. You can Oh uh, No 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 no. That's <clears throat> fine. I this is fully explicit at this point. I've caused nonstop. Okay. Um well don't shit on people just because you can and you have the opportunity to do it digitally where you're not really held accountable. Um and I know Chris said, like, most of you out there who are listening will turn into that that mob with pitchforks, but uh, I'm going to try and take the optimistic route, and I'd like to think that those of you listening uh, also have a a positive side and and don't necessarily partake in that. So uh, just kind of treat others the way you want to be treated, and if, if if you like a game... Try and share that love. Yeah, I, I think, and and don't take it that I think people are terrible people. I think that you just get that mob mentality. I think most of the time they're happy to play the game, but there's a lot of bandwagoning that happens, and, and people jump on that without thinking about what they're doing because of the anonymity. Anyways, that's it for Gaming Historia this week. I want to thank Olivia for stepping up, doing two podcasts this week because we're recording the next one. Tomorrow. Within 24 hours of this one, so... Um, lots of talking this week, but, uh, uh, Colby should be back for next week's gaming Astoria. And then, uh, you'll see Olivia and myself, uh, Wednesdays on in search of the story. It should be up on iTunes and Google by now, and we're going up on SoundCloud. So we'll get you all that stuff on gaminghistoria.com. Yeah. I was happy to step in and thanks Chris for always stimulating conversation uh and yeah i'll see you guys on in search of the story that works thanks again and you guys have a good week toodles